We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 23 and verse 34 and the title of my sermon is Father Forgive Them. This Easter Friday we shall consider the first of seven statements that were made by the Lord Jesus Christ at the cross. He said, Father forgive them for they know not what they do. Before we look at those words, let us first of all consider something of the uniquely extraordinary facts concerning the one who was nailed to the cross and lifted up to die. The fact is that Jesus is God incarnate. As it is written in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9, In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 19, it is written that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. Therefore, the precious blood of atonement that flowed from the broken body of Jesus was nothing less than the blood of God. That's something that is way beyond our comprehension. Nevertheless, in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, it is written that God have purchased his church with his own blood. Therefore, the value of that precious blood is infinite. No wonder that in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 7, it is written that the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. There is no sin too big for Jesus to wash away with his blood. As such, any teaching that does not embrace the fact that it was God manifest in the flesh who was fastened to the cross and who took upon himself the curse of the law is to be rejected. Coming now to Luke chapter 23 and verse 34, it is written, Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. There were occasions that are recorded in the scriptures when the Lord Jesus Christ forgave people their sins during his earthly ministry. For example, in Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 5, there is the account of a paralysed man lying on his mat and being lowered by four helpers through the ceiling of a packed house where the Lord Jesus Christ was teaching. In verse 5 it is written, When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And in Luke chapter 7 verse 36 through to 50, there is the account of Jesus eating at the house of Simon the Pharisee. A sinful woman entered the house and she stood behind Jesus weeping. She washed his feet with her tears. She wiped them with her hair. She kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Jesus spoke to Simon and in Luke chapter 7 verse 46 to 50 it is written My head with oil thou didst not anoint but this woman have anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee 
her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is given, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Thy faith have saved thee, go in peace. Also, have you ever thought about who would have been the last sinner to receive forgiveness from Jesus before Jesus laid down his life on the cross? How about one of the two thieves who were crucified either side of Jesus? One of those thieves said to the Lord, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. That thief had no saving faith. He was simply mocking Jesus and blaspheming him. But the other thief, even though he too had previously been hurling insults at Jesus, clearly had a change of heart, for he said, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man have done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Can you see in those words that there was repentance from the dying thief? And also there was forgiveness from the dying Saviour. As the Son of God, it was and is the sovereign right of the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive sins. And even as the Son of Man, he had authority to forgive sins. For example, coming back to the paralysed man who was lowered through the ceiling, there were onlookers who reasoned in their hearts that Jesus had no authority to forgive sins. However, Jesus, who knows the thoughts of men's hearts, said to them, But that ye may know that the Son of Man have power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise and take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it on this fashion. It goes to show that we should not try to divide and separate the humanity and the divinity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, the Son of Man, is Jesus, the Son of God, and he forgives all who show repentance towards God and faith in him. Having said all that, coming back to Luke chapter 23 and verse 34, what can be seen is not so much Jesus forgiving sinners, but rather him praying to his Father to forgive them. For as yet, the people whom Jesus was interceding for 
had not repented of their sins. In fact, as we can see in verse 34, they knew not what they did. In other words, they were ignorant of their sins. As such, it was an intercessory prayer, but not for Christians. For that, you'd be better off looking at John chapter 17, where the whole chapter is a high priestly prayer of Jesus interceding for his apostles and more broadly interceding for his church. Here in Luke chapter 23 and verse 34, Jesus was most certainly not interceding for his disciples, but for those who knew him not. In the immediate context, Jesus was praying for forgiveness for the Roman soldiers who crucified him. Maybe his prayer was answered in part just three hours later after he gave up the ghost when the centurion said in verse 47 certainly this man uh, sorry this was a righteous man within that short statement is an acknowledgement by the centurion that Jesus had done no wrong and that he had therefore overseen the execution of an innocent man and in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 54 the centurion and the soldiers who were with him are on record as saying, truly, this was the Son of God. Admittedly, by saying, was the Son of God, and not, is the Son of God, their theology wasn't the best, and their thinking was probably influenced by pagan beliefs. Even so, it would seem that as a result of Jesus praying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. There may well have been a work of divine grace going on in the hearts of those wicked soldiers. Beyond the possibility of the centurion and the soldiers being the recipients of God's saving grace as a result of that intercessory prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ, we can further consider the hostile Jewish crowd that had gathered to hurl abuse at Jesus and demand his death when they cried out, crucify him, crucify him. For example, in Acts chapter 3, the apostle Peter addressed a Jewish crowd and he said to them, the God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers have glorified his son Jesus whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God have raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And his name through faith in his name have made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him have given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I know that through ignorance ye did it, as did also your rulers. Did you get that last bit there? I know that through ignorance ye did it, 
as did also your rulers. In those verses, it can be seen that the Jews and even their wicked rulers did what they did through ignorance. And that fact is corroborated in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 8, where the Apostle Paul said, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Let me just read that last bit again. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Even though the Jews and their rulers did what they did through ignorance, and there is an acknowledgement of that ignorance in the intercessory prayer of Jesus, where he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. It doesn't alter the fact that what they did and what the Roman soldiers did was despicable and it was damnable. As such, the Apostle Peter called on the Jews to repent. For example, in Acts chapter 3 and verse 19, he said to them, Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. And in the previous chapter, in chapter 2 and verse 38 of Acts, having preached to the Jews and told them very clearly that God has raised up Jesus, whom they crucified, and he has made him both Lord and Christ, the Apostle Peter went on to say to them, Repent and be baptised every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Let me just remind you again, they, these people, these Jews, they were people who did what they did through ignorance, as did their rulers. But still, Peter called on them to repent and be baptised in the name of Jesus for the remission of their sins. I hope you can see that ignorance is not bliss, or at least it is not eternal bliss. Whether sin is committed knowingly or not, it is an evil to be repented of, and that is because it proceeds from a desperately wicked heart. As the Apostle Paul said to the Gentile believers in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. That's quite a mouthful in those verses, and you would need to look very carefully at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 and 18 for yourselves. And when you do that, you'll see that when you work your way backwards through verse 18, 
The journey to hell starts with a heart that is hardened, as if it is covered with a callous. That's what it means to be hardened, to be covered with a callous. That hardness of heart gives rise to ignorance or moral blindness, the like of which the Lord Jesus Christ prayed about when he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He was praying to people whose, heart, <clears throat> whose hearts were hardened, covered with a callous. And that ignorance results in a person being dead in trespasses and sins and being alienated, alienated from the life of God. The result of all that is that people, people live selfish and self-centered lives that do not honor Almighty God. Worst of all for unforgiven sinners is that many of them consider themselves to be good and upright citizens. Here we have the deceitfulness of the heart. Hearts that even deceit, deceive the people who have those hearts. Thoroughly deceived into thinking that they are good and upright citizens. They reject the Lord Jesus Christ and they bring damnation upon themselves. Those people no doubt include members of your own family and your close friends whose hearts are hardened. They are morally blind and they are spiritually dead. All of you Christians were precisely the same before your conversion. The good news is that God is able to, able to take away hearts of stone and he is able to replace them with hearts of flesh. Also, he makes the light of the knowledge of his glory in the face of the light of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ, shine in sin-darkened hearts. God raises up people who are dead in trespasses and sins, and he raises them up to newness of life in his dear son. Finally, at the time when the Lord Jesus Christ sacrificially laid down his life as an atonement for sin, he showed a compassion that is way beyond all understanding when he interceded for his executioners as he prayed, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That prayer proceeded from the mouth of the incarnate Son of God. As such, it transcends time, and even now, deep-dyed sinners are being brought to repentance, and they are being given forgiveness for all their sins, even the sins that they have committed in ignorance. As was said earlier, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Dear Christian, you too can and must pray for forgiveness for your family, pray for your friends and pray for all who oppose you, that they would show repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and to God be the glory. Amen. Our final hymn will be 
when I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. Oh. 